Um, last Sunday, I had the opportunity to preach um, in Spanish for the lesson on creation. And I was telling everyone that that is one of my favorite lessons uh, from the Bible. Probably my favorite one. Because in that story, even though many um, have come with different interpretations regarding to uh, the, the story and, and how science relates to it and everything, I think the, the, the main thing behind that story in Genesis 1, it's about God being present. So that's, that's the main point, God being present. There is chaos, there is like different uh, situations at the beginning of the world, but then we see the Holy Spirit present. And in God being present, it's probably one of the most important uh, theological narratives in the, the whole Bible. That is why when we see this, the, the, the coming of Jesus and his name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. From the very beginning to the very end in the Bible, God is telling us a clear message. I am present. I am there with you. I am not someone far from you being or showing himself careless about what's happening in the world. And that's the story. And it's, it's powerful because normally we see people complaining with questions like, okay, where is God? Where is God when I need Him? Or where is God during the difficult situation we're going through? How come a, a good God is allowing so much suffering in the world? How come we cannot see His presence clearly? And these questions and these kind of affirmations, they have been with us forever, since the very beginning. And that's why since the very beginning, God wanted us to understand a very specific message. I am here with you. So with this in mind, I want to tell you that probably my second favorite story in the Bible is the story of Abraham. But to be more specific, the story of Abraham and Isaac. So I have a couple of thoughts that I would like to share with you this morning. So, um, number one, think about this. Um, I was supposed to read from chapter 22, verse 1 to 14, and that was basically the whole idea of the lesson, but I decided to go to verse 20, uh, verse chapter 21, verse 1 to 3, because there is something really interesting in that story. Okay, so this is Abraham and Sarah. They had deep desires. You know the whole story. They they wanted to have a family. They they received the promise from God. You will be the father of the nations. God told Abraham. They were older and it was difficult for them in terms of biology, for example, because, you know, their bodies probably, to be more specific, her body was not ready to um, get pregnant. But more than that, also, it's not only that, oh, you cannot get pregnant. It's now like if you get pregnant, you're older and you don't, you don't have the energy, you don't have probably all the abilities that are required to um, take care of a little kid. So all the circumstances looked really, really dark for them. In fact, it looked like their, their dream was just dying. And that is kind of frustrating. When people have, you know, different um, uh, goals in their life and they have plans and everything. 
and then time goes by and you see the circumstances doesn't change, people tend to get a little bit frustrated. Then we saw God coming, saying, hey, don't worry. I, I have seen your heart. I know what you want. And Sarah, you'll be a mom. I'm telling you, you'll be a mom. Do you remember what was her reaction? Do you remember that? She laughed. Say, ha, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'll be a mom. Yeah, right. I mean, this is God talking to her. Because one thing is like when, when someone says, hey, don't worry. You'll be a mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you don't even a doctor. And like, no, 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 no. But this is God. This is God telling her, hey, you'll be a mom. <laughs> Not even God knows what he's talking about. Remember this. Because when they finally had the kid, chapter, um, yeah, chapter 21 of Genesis, when they finally had the kid with them, they decided to name the kid Isaac. Okay? Follow me on this. They decided to name the kid Isaac. And the Hebrew root for the name Isaac means to laugh. This is like, wait, 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 wait. Follow me on this. So that Hebrew root is like, okay, Sarah, I know you were laughing. Okay. And now we have the name Isaac and the Hebrew root is like to laugh as well. So, and, and I'll make a connection soon with this story. But keep this in mind because I wanted this to be the introduction now for chapter 22. So let's now go to the sacrifice with everything I told you in mind. This story is really hard. And it's difficult to understand sometimes. For many reasons. Number one, because normally when we come to the stories in the Old Testament, we come to our own eyes, from our own reality, from now, trying to make a correct interpretation of something that happened thousands of years ago. And it's difficult. It's hard. And we say, oh, look at Abraham. Man, I wish I could have the faith that he had. I mean, he, he was determined to please the Lord, and that's an example for us. But then, if God comes and tells you the same thing, would you do it? What would you do? If he comes and says, hey, listen, uh, you need to like have this sacrifice. And, oh, of course, Lord, I, I'm going, I can do this. Of course, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't have any problem. I will serve you because I love you, Lord. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I want your son. Literally, like I want it. Like, yeah, I want your son, your daughter. That will be a little bit shocking for, for us. So it's different. So think about this. The first conflict we face is like God asking for something like this. God asking for something like this to a family that was struggling for many years to get pregnant. To a family that was struggling for many years to have a family. They finally had the family. I mean, they had the kid, Isaac. They're older they're happy, there's joy, and then in one point, that joy got interrupted because God, the same one who said, don't worry, I'm going to give you a family. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, I, I want your son. So that conflict is, is present. Like, it's difficult to understand. Then we have the, the uh, Abraham's reaction. If you notice something, 
In the story, we do not have Sarah's reaction. Okay? So, be clear on this. The story is not including all the emotional details and probably some important um, yeah, details that we would like, like to know to fully understand it. That's why I always encourage people to read these kind of stories, not only from the historical perspective, but also from the theological perspective. Because these stories in the Old Testament are not there to give us evidence about the existence of God or stuff like that. The deeper message of this story is on what is God trying to tell His people with stories like this one. And they understood that. They understood that. So Sarah's reaction is not being mentioned in the story. We only see Abraham taking Isaac, walking with him, and a few details of the conversation they had. Where are we going? What are we going to do? Don't worry, son. It's going to be fine. Okay, but it looks like we're going to have a sacrifice. And, and where are we going to sacrifice exactly that? Oh, yeah, the, the Lord will provide. So it's, it's difficult. It's complicated. And we get to the point where Abraham is ready for the sacrifice. And then the angel of the Lord comes and says, stop. Don't do it. God has seen that you are faithful. And then we create this whole scenario, and it's, it's good. I'm not saying it's bad, but we create the whole scenario that, oh, look, wow, Abraham's faith. That's powerful. That's my inspiration. We are not even close today to his faith. But sometimes when we change the perspective of the story, and we read it from a different point of view, we can see a deeper message. Think about this. I'm going to give you a little bit of context. This was not a surprise for Abraham. In the story, we do not see Abraham saying, no, I am not going to do it. I am not going to do it. I mean, in all the stories in the Old Testament related to Abraham, we see him like, not complaining, but saying, oh, okay, Sarah, you know what? You're going to see that you're kind of like, that we're related, okay? Because I don't like this plan. So we see Abraham like trying to change some of the, the things to their own benefit, of course. But in this story, we don't see Abraham saying, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Are you crazy, God? I, this, you gave me this son. And look how the story, it's been put on, on, on the book. And, and the author wanted us to really understand this part. This is to Abraham. This is your son. But not only your son. Your only son. That's two things. And a third one. The one you love. So the author wanted us to understand how deep the connection for Abraham was. But he didn't say anything. Oh, because he was obedient. Yes, he was obedient, but also he was not surprised. By the time this story was written, and probably even before that, probably this story was being just said and communicated through oral tradition to many generations. And then someone put it on paper. By the time this story was being written or told, according to history and according to the book of Leviticus, of course, and other passages in the Old Testament, children's sacrifice was, was very common among some cultures surrounding Israel. And according to Leviticus, we also see that Israel 
in their desire to imitate the religion of other cultures, they also started doing that. And God rejected that behavior completely. But this was common. So Abraham grew up in a culture where he was taught before knowing God the way he came to know him after um, his calling. He grew up in a culture where it was normal for people to offer this, you know, this kind of sacrifices to please the gods. Because they thought that the gods were going to be happier, and if they were happier, they were going to be providing. And if they were providing, nothing, nothing was going to be needed. So they didn't have a problem with that. Sacrifice one for the good of the whole population, the whole culture, the whole religion. Then we have God saying, hey, I want your son. He's not surprised. Probably he didn't want it to, but he is not surprised. He's following something that he probably thought was going to happen. But he was not expecting this. He was not expecting the second part of the story. Probably somehow, in one point of Abraham's story, yeah, he said, well, what happened if one day I have to offer my only son as a sacrifice for the good of the community? I'm going to have to do it even if I don't want to. But he was not expecting the last part of the story. And this is probably the most powerful one. He's walking, he's ready. Yes, he's trusting the Lord. But he doesn't know what's going to happen. He never imagined that at the moment the sacrifice was being prepared, the angel of the Lord was going to come to say, Stop. That is completely unexpected. I could imagine Abraham saying, wait, wait, what do you mean stop? Yeah, don't do it. The Lord is going to provide for the sacrifice. The Lord has seen what you have done. Your faith, your dedication. That part is completely unexpected. So I am not telling you do not admire Abraham. No, that is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this. That the real hero in the story is not Abraham, but God. That the real hero in the story, it's the Lord showing up, saying, don't do it. I am here. I am with you. So sometimes we put too much pressure on our faith, comparing ourselves to uh, people from the Bible and saying, oh man, I wish that I could be like this guy, that I could be like this woman. And we feel bad. And we underestimate everything that we have achieved because we feel that we are not good enough. So for stories like this and for the times like this, the message is clear. You don't have to be good enough because, because God is good enough. You don't have to be the hero of your life because God is the hero of your life. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the perfect Christians because you have the perfect God. And he's not only your supplier, but in, the, in this story, it's not about God saying, oh yeah, Yahweh Jireh, the provider. It's not, not, it's not only about God providing what you need. Because sometimes the provision we need 
It's not about material things, external things, but the real provision we need, it's something that can heal and refresh our soul to let us know that we are important for the Lord, to let us know that we are loved by God no matter what, to let us know that He is present, that He is here, and that we're going to make it. But it's difficult. Because we have met this connection that to be blessed means to be prosperous. That to be blessed means to have something around us to cover our needs. Oh, the Lord has blessed me with this. So I'm going to share it with somebody else. Brothers and sisters, the real blessings are spiritual. When we truly understand that God is filling us with His presence, His Spirit, everything else makes sense. Even if we're going through a difficult moment. So my invitation this morning is this. My invitation this morning is this. Trust the Lord no matter what. But trust the Lord knowing that yes, He is your hero. He's the one who is going to intervene in that situation because He's present. I am not saying that every outcome is going to be positive. But something for me that is like really powerful, and I told you this at the beginning, when they made the announcement about Isaac coming, Sarah decided to laugh. Huh. It's not going to happen. She's laughing because she doesn't believe it. She thinks it's not going to happen. She's doubting. But then at the end of the story, the root of his name, Isaac, means to laugh. They will probably... Or they were probably laughing of joy. Knowing that the Lord was there. No matter what. Brothers and sisters, never forget. Never forget that the Lord is here for you. Never forget that God will walk with you no matter what. But also do not, I, I want to repeat this again. Do not put so much pressure on you and your faith. Trying to be perfect, trying to get the approval of people, trying to get the approval of society, trying to get the approval of the culture. You already have the approval of God. And He's loving you without conditions and without restrictions. And sometimes we need to convince our minds of this reality. Because we're being taught many ideas that God is going to love you if you do this. But He's not going to bless you if you don't do this. And we have that idea, that image of the Lord that is completely wrong. This message, this story in the Old Testament, is the confirmation that the God we worship is the God of healing. He comes to heal, not to destroy. He comes to bless, not to create more chaos. Believe what God is telling you and understand that He's the real hero. He's the one walking with you.